Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Just a, a little news from Israel. If you want to have one great prayer for me, it's that I will be effective in helping to, stre- to strengthen the network of congregations in Israel when I'm on that side of the ocean. We have a new formed national network called Tikkun Israel. Yes, it's your sister's network now with the same name. And uh, that was a long process in getting that accomplished, of prayer and warfare and all kinds of things, but we're really delighted to have Tikkun Israel. So now uh, Tikkun is about um, almost 40 congregations and ministries now. I think it's about 40. So um, we're growing, and it is a supernatural thing that God calls people to join us and to be part of us. So keep us in prayer for the Israel Network. It's really a a very, very important and formative time. Well, I wanted to speak to you today about life in the Ruach, led by the Spirit. And I would like you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. And we would like to read that chapter, not Romans 12, Romans 8. I don't know why I said 12. Romans 8. I will reference Romans 12, but the, ch- the text for today is Romans chapter 8. So please turn with me there. And we read in Romans 8, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua, for the law of the Spirit of life in the Messiah Yeshua has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what was impossible for the Torah since it was weakened on account of flesh, God has done, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as a sin offering he condemns sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the Torah might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Ruach set their minds on the things of the Ruach. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Ruach is life and shalom. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit to the law of God, for it cannot. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Whoever you are not in the flesh, but in the Ruach, if indeed the Ruach Elohim dwells in you, Now, if anyone does not have the Ruach of Messiah, he does not belong to him. But if Messiah is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness, and if the Ruach of the one who raised Yeshua from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Messiah from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his Ruach who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, do not owe anyone according to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. 
For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Ruach you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For all who are led by the Ruach, Elohim, these are sons of God. And that's my text today, the primary verse. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall again into fear. Rather, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Ruach himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children also heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with the Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we might also live with him. What an extraordinary text. And if we can get a hold of this text and get it appropriated, get it into our lives, then we will find the key to living a Messianic Jewish life. This chapter really, really is so foundational. And so my theme today is live your life led by the Holy Spirit. As children of God, led by the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians chapter 5 says, 18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled by the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to make some preliminary points and then a few points just about what it means to be led by the Spirit. We are in the New Covenant order, and the difference between the New Covenant order and the Mosaic Covenant order is not that the Mosaic Covenant order had Torah, but we don't have Torah, but now we're in the New Covenant order without Torah. That is a primary error of of contemporary Christianity. By the way, it's not a primary of classic Christianity. Classic Christianity did not have this error primarily. If you study Reformed, you study the Wesleyans, you study classical Christianity, this, or, uh, they didn't have this error, but this has come about. Uh, the differences between law and grace, we're not under the law, we're under grace, which is a wrong interpretation of that verse. The contrast is here, right in Romans chapter 8. The contrast is that with the coming of Yeshua, we find that God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh. In his own flesh, he condemned sin, but he also released power so that in identification with his death and resurrection, you are now able to put to death the deeds of the flesh and you are able to die to the old sinful nature and not live unto it anymore in a way that wasn't possible before he came. So it is the ability, it is the ability that you now have by the Spirit to appropriate your co-death and resurrection with Yeshua. That's one of the primary contrasts between the Mosaic order and the New Covenant order. But the second contrast that comes from that, because Yeshua died and was risen and has ascended, he said in John, it is to your benefit that I go away. And you say, how can that be to our benefit? It's to your benefit that I go away, because in going away, I will be able to send the Spirit. And it's because he has the authority as an enthroned uh, by the 
the throne of the Father. He is at the right hand of the Father. He is able to send forth the Holy Spirit, as uh, Shimon Kepha, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, that what you see happening on the Feast of Shavuot is something that Yeshua sent forth by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he has the authority to send the Spirit. He has the authority to immerse in the Holy Spirit because he is enthroned, and he has begun to reign. This is the beginning of the reestablishment of the reign of the Davidic line. It has begun, but it has to come down to earth eventually. Are you with me here? All right, so... These, the big contrast, as I study the scriptures, is we now have the benefit of our co-death and resurrection with him and the benefit of the Holy Spirit at, at, in all of us who now are temples of God where the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And when we gather corporately, we're a temple of God in another sense. And this was not available at this level before Yeshua came. This is the contrast right here. So Romans chapter 8 is a tremendous chapter on the contrast and what is available to us. The Holy Spirit, we understand from this chapter, is the key to obeying the word because the flesh, we cannot in our own flesh, in our own efforts, and flesh here means both soul and body, we cannot in our own soul and body, we cannot obey God sufficiently. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can obey God. The power of the Holy Spirit actually uh, enables the Word to be empowered unto us because the Word only does its work through the Holy Spirit. So preachers used to say, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, enlivens the Word of God, makes it real, makes it powerful to us. But it's not only that. The Holy Spirit in us is a power that moves us to obey. And of course, we read this in Ezekiel chapter 36, that the Spirit of God moves us to obey God's statutes, ordinances, and judgments. So this is pred predicted very clearly in Jeremiah 31, where it talks about the contrast of the new covenant and the mosaic, as in Ezekiel chapter 36. So we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, and as Galatians says, the fruit of the Spirit comes forth from those who walk in the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, self-control, etc. In addition, the Ruach HaKodesh is the evangelist through us because Yeshua says in John chapter 16 that if he goes away, he's going to send the Holy Spirit and he, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So your ability to win people to the Lord as you're led by the Spirit in terms of who to speak to, and I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm talking about being led by the Spirit, but as you're led by the Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit through your words, through your bringing words of knowledge, signs and wonders in the context of reaching people that don't know Yeshua. It's the Holy Spirit acting through you and acting on that person that convinces them of sin and righteousness and judgment. So it is the Holy Spirit that brings them to the place where they know that they need Yeshua. So the Holy Spirit really is the evangelist. Now, some time ago, I spoke to you about my little acronym. How many remember my acronym of five letters? Raise your hand. 
See, only the leader here and his wife remember. So I'm going to say it again. F-Y-S-T-R. Fister. Not Juster, Fister. Uh, Fister stands for the emphasis we have to have in our lives of focus. All five are important, but the emphasis in the New Covenant Scripture goes from Father, exalting the Father, that's absolutely first, then Yeshua, right next to that, we are called to honor the Son as we honor the Father. But then you can see from this passage the centrality of the Holy Spirit. He has to be emphasized more than the Torah or the Word because the Word is absolutely essential. We're called to obey the Word. We can do nothing right if we're not obeying the Word. The Word is foundational. But the reason the Spirit is a higher emphasis is because the Spirit enables the Word. Without the Spirit, you can't do the Word. On the other hand, if you think you're going to emphasize the Spirit without the Word, you're going to get into deep trouble. So then the last part, the last part is rabbinic tradition, tradition, rabbinic tradition. And rabbinic tradition is a mixture of that which is good and that which is not good, but that which is good in it is from God and is very important in terms of the foundations of a distinct life. The distinctiveness of Jewish life goes back to the Torah itself, but as it's applied by the rabbis in terms of traditions and history, what makes Jewish cultural life possible is Torah as it's rabbinically applied. Hence, you know, talit, fringes, kippah, ark, scrolls in the ark, all of this is rabbinic tradition, right? If you get rid of rabbinic tradition, you have a colorless Messianic Judaism. It's, it's kind of drab. So, uh, F-Y-S-T-R, in that order of priority and importance, and yet all are important, but in that order. But now I want to talk about led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is someone you must pursue. In your individual life and your corporate life, you can't be led by the Holy Spirit unless you're having the experience of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that enables us to feel this sense in God, in God being with us, and intimacy with God. Patty and I were talking about our marriage uh, this morning, and we're somewhat in love after all these years. 47 years next month, 47 years. And we said, you know, being in love is like you're going through each other. Some of you who are really in love with your spouses know what I'm talking about. You have this experience when you're together almost like your spirit, I'm talking about your human spirit, which does transcend your body, is passing into the other person, and their spirit is passing into you, and you're kind of going in and out of each other in relational quality of love. When that love is there, you have this feeling, you know? You know what I mean? This feeling that you have. And, and, and that's what it's like when you're in the Holy Spirit. When you read what Yeshua says, he says, 
I and you and you and me and I and them and them and me. And we have this experience. It's not just an abstract thing, but you actually experience with God this sense of in and you're in him and he's in you and he's passing into you and you're passing into him. And we have this experience of Holy Spirit reality. And, you know, we can grow in that experience of Holy Spirit reality more and more. And God wants us to walk in the Spirit, and that's why he says that we're to sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we, we need to come into a relationship with God where this reality of the Holy Spirit is so clear to us. Um, this is why we emphasize in our stream, in Tikkun, the importance of being immersed in the Holy Spirit. It's why we emphasize speaking in tongues as a sign of that. You say, Dan, is speaking in tongues an absolute sign without which you haven't been immersed in the Holy Spirit? No, I don't think I can prove that. In my own experience, I spoke in tongues uh, three and a half years after I was immersed in the Holy Spirit. But, but... Um, Normatively, it comes because speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, devotional tongues builds you up, and it is a very, very helpful thing for all believers to have that in terms of maintaining this sense of the presence and reality of the Holy Spirit. So we are strongly believers and proponents of that in the Tikkun uh, network. Um, so the, the first thing I want to say is about uh, being led by the Spirit, is the Holy Spirit will lead you into what I call a general pattern of life. And the general pattern of life includes four primary things that all people are called to be part of. And you have to uh, bring these things into harmony and relationship to each other. Number one, everybody is called to a personal devotional life on a daily, regular level. And your devotional life is the foundation of your being able to walk in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. For me, that is in the morning. I think everybody needs to take some time in the morning to set their day. And there are people who say, well, I don't have time in the morning. I have to get on the road at 6 a.m. And I would say, well, you do have time. You can take 10 minutes. Years ago, uh, the navigators put out this thing called seven minutes with God. You can at least take seven minutes to set your day, and then maybe you're going to do more of your Bible reading and prayer at night before you go to bed. That's fine, but set your day at least take 10 minutes. Pray in the Spirit. Read a text. Pray to God. 10 minutes. They said seven minutes with God, and they had it divided up so that every morning you're setting the day. For me, the idea of having less than an hour to start the day, it's not possible for me, and usually it's two hours. I'm stretched sometimes because Asher wants me to come to the morning prayer times at Revive Israel, and so to get that hour in, I can, but I can't do the two hours like I want to. So every day you're setting yourself into the right order by praising God, by worshiping, by reading the scriptures, and you think of that other part of devotion in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed. So the one who breathed the scripture, God, through his spirit, 
wants to breathe on you while you're reading the Scripture, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, uh, and training in righteousness. That's discipleship. So we're trained in righteousness by the Word that the man or woman might be fully equipped for every good work. You like that? That's a great verse, one of the foundational verses. 2 Timothy 3, 16. So you set personal devotion. The second thing is we have to be led by the Holy Spirit in what we give into congregational life because Matthew 16, 18, Yeshua says to Shimon Kepha, I will establish my congregation and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Only the life of congregation has the power sufficiently to resist the devil fully. And you need to be part of the strengthening and the power that comes through congregational life where you are taking a stand to help others uh, resist the powers of the enemy and they are taking a stand with you to resist the powers of hell and congregational life with an eldership as you see in scripture is the foundation of our life together we are all called to build community and if we Romans 12 commit our lives as a living sacrifice if we dedicate our whole lives as scripture requires then we are going to be committed to congregational life Congregational life is the discipling center out of which the other aspects of life flow. Number three is family. In Ephesians, we read how the husband and the wife are to be together as husband and wife. That the husband is supposed to be doing what? He's supposed to be loving his wife as Yeshua loved his body, the bride, and... Uh, that marriage is itself marriage is itself the image of the relationship of Yeshua and his people. So we read in Ephesians chapter 5 concerning the foundation of the family. Submit yourselves one to another, verse 21, out of reverence for Messiah, wise to your hus husbands unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Messiah also is the head of the community, himself the savior of the body. But Messiah's, as Messiah's community is submitted to the Messiah, so also the wives to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Messiah also loved his community and gave himself up for her to make her holy, having cleansed her by immersion in the word. Now I got one of those in pages, it's not turning for me. Oh, come on. There we go, finally. This is so that he might present to himself his glorious community, not having stain or wrinkle or any such thing, but in order that she might be holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Messiah does his community. Now, that is a tall order to have this kind of marriage. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do this. And the most important thing you can do for your children is give them a good marriage. That becomes the example of your success in the Lord, and that's what gives credibility 
That's what shows them the credibility of the gospel. That you have been empowered by God for a marriage like this. From the marriage come children. So we can sing, sing that old great spiritual song that was written by a spiritual giant of yesteryear. Love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. But children are the normal product of the marriage, and it is God's order for most people to get married and have children, despite what people are saying in our day about not having children so that we won't destroy the earth. You know, that's out there, right? Uh, some uh, of those folks that love animals and love the environment have gone so far as to say the problem with the world is human beings and so that we should have no children and then we're going to survive the world by eliminating the human race. You know, there are people that believe that. Well, we don't believe that. Because God created the environment, the world, and the flora and the fauna for us. We've got to preserve it, but it was created for our joy and benefit. But anyway, then children come along, and we read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And then it says father, so it gives fathers a special role of nurturing. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, everybody is called to give adequate quality time to congregational life, to gathering together, as Hebrews 10.24 says, uh, that we are not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together, but to exhort one another. We need one another's exhortation as you see the day approaching, the day of the last days and the day of the Lord. But then we have to give adequate time and energy to the family. With congregation life, it's the weekly gathering, but it's also Havarah groups, which are going to be relaunched here with greater strength eventually, because we all need the encouragement of small groups, the exercise of the Holy Spirit, and then we need to give quality to family. And then thirdly, we need to give quality to our vocations, and that we need to be working and making a living uh, depending upon on what our vocations are. These are the three things that everybody has to balance in leading of the Holy Spirit. And balance is something that you don't figure out only with your own mind, but balance is something that you do as led by the Holy Spirit. Some people become familyocentric and they don't have time for congregational life. Some people become so vocational oriented that they cheat both their family and their congregation. It's all about getting ahead in the vocational world, whatever your vocation is. But God wants us to give adequately to all three. When I was speaking to the leaders in the conference on this, I said, it's a matter of be all that you can be in the kingdom. You know, that's like I took that from the army ad, be all that you can be in the army. Be all that you can be in the kingdom. 
Give yourself fully to being in the Spirit because you're not going to have the right discernment how to bring this into balance. It's not a humanistic balance. It's a God balance. You're not going to have the right discernment to bring this into balance unless you do it prayerfully and seeking God by the power of the Holy Spirit showing how to integrate these three things in your life. Note that I'm talking about being led by the Holy Spirit in the general pattern of your life that is ordinarily a pattern that is repeating itself every week of congregation, family, and, uh, and, and vocation every week. Then there are special times where you're led by the Spirit, like vacation. Yes, vacations can be led by the Spirit. But there's a pattern of life. And Patty and I really are blessed because about 36, 37 years ago, we adopted a pattern of life that was enabling us to give adequate quality to our family, and it's really paid off. But we didn't cheat any of the other areas of our life, and we had many people in our congregation that were able to bring these three into right order together. Now, one of the things that we have to understand about this is that there's no conflict in the kingdom of God. These three are not in conflict with one another. So you come to this place where you feel anxious and like you can't do it all and it's impossible and how can I give it? You know, you, know, you get into that anxiety because it's just overwhelming and it's too much. If you get into the anxiety that it's overwhelming and too much, that's a sign not that there's conflicts of priorities. That's a sign that you're not adequately in the Holy Spirit because when you're adequately in the Ruach HaKodesh, the conflicts of priority are solved. When you're led by the Spirit and you're walking in the Spirit, there's no conflicts of priority. Now, I want you to understand that we're not so perfect that you won't sometimes feel that way. But when you feel that way, the way to handle it is not to go, oh no, what am I going to do and get frantic? The way to handle it is not go to your local tavern and drink. The way to handle it, and you might not feel like you have time for this, but you do, is to pull apart from what's going on, pray in the Holy Spirit, seek God, come into the place of his peace, and then when you come into the place of his peace, he will lead you out of what you're feeling as a conflict of priorities. Are you with me here? And he'll tell you what to do and how to do it. But this is the Holy Spirit will speak to you and lead you in the general pattern of life. Now, some people who are charismatic think that a Holy Spirit life means that at any moment, anything can happen and that you don't live a consistent pattern of life and you're kind of an unpredictable person like some person, like I was told about one person, he's like the wind. You know, the wind blows here and the wind blows there, you know, like Yeshua said of the Holy Spirit, right? But you're not to be like the wind. You're to be stable. The Holy Spirit leads us into a consistent pattern of life. We're not called to be spun. Hey, 
I just wanted to tell you, David, I'm not coming to services this week because the Holy Spirit told me no, that I'm going to go over here to this other congregation. Oh, next week. David, I'm coming this week. The Holy Spirit told me to come. Then the next week, David, I just wanted you to know I'm going to uh, New York this weekend. I won't be with you because the Holy Spirit told me to go to New York and then Baltimore. And then four or five months later, the person show up. I'm here, David. The Holy Spirit told me to come here. No, this is not the Spirit-led life. The Spirit-led life for your family and for congregation and for your vocation requires a normal, stable pattern. The Holy Spirit is to lead you into your normal, stable pattern of life. Hello? When people get into the Holy Spirit into the wrong way and everything is just at any moment, anything can happen. And so don't depend on me because you never know what the Holy Spirit is going to say. No, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's their psychological instability. And some people misidentify the Holy Spirit with their psychological instability. And I call this people who are into an idolatry of spontaneous immediacy. Idolatry is spontaneous immediacy. One time, years ago, when I was driving down to Tikvat, Israel, in its earlier years, I turned on the radio, and there was a guy that actually was saying on the radio how he did not have a bulletin in his congregation that had the order of service. The reason being, he didn't want the devil to know what he was going to do so that the devil could come up with a plan to attack it. Well, he was actually saying that on the radio, really. I want to go one better and to tell you that my God is so great that I can prevent the attack of the devil even though the order of service is in the bulletin. But, you know, some charismatics... Uh, are not really charismatics, they're charismaniacs, so that's... Uh... All right, now, having said that, having said that, the immediacy of daily life is also something that's led by the Spirit because there are all sorts of, there are all kinds of aspects of your life that are not part of the plan pattern. You don't want to only have a plan pattern, but spontaneous immediacy should be part of your life. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're in a store, and if you're led by the Spirit, you're led to speak to the person at the checkout counter. You're led to speak to the person uh, who you're running into at the coffee shop, and, they're tell and the Holy Spirit's telling you that this person has a need, and you're to strike up a conversation with them. And lo and behold, in that conversation, you'll have opportunity to share the Lord. Maybe the Lord will tell you, what their need is for prayer. Maybe it's going to be a healing need. Maybe the Lord will tell you they have a cancer and you need to pray for them to be healed of uh, lung cancer. The Holy Spirit can tell you those things and you don't have to be a prophet. If you're walking in the Spirit, you need to believe that you're going to hear things from the Holy Spirit leading you in spontaneous immediacy. The Holy Spirit will lead you to sometimes have a warning to not drive down a certain street, and lo and behold, there was an accident on that street, and you just avoided an accident because you were listening to the Holy Spirit. So 
this spontaneous immediacy aspect is also an important part of being led by the Spirit, but not so that that's the only dominating thing in your life. You live a normal pattern, and you have the spontaneous. This is why, like in congregational life, there's a normal pattern of worship, but we also make room for prophecy and the spontaneous and that God can redirect us. Are you with me here? All right. So, I want this to be a congregation that pursues the Holy Spirit and is led by the Holy Spirit and that this is characteristic of every member that we're going to get into the Holy Spirit in a deep way and we're going to be an empowered community. Amen? Let's pray. Let's 